Hey, everybody, it's Justin McElroy here. And Sydney McElroy. Uh, we are going to be resuscitating an episode from 2015 about malaria. Can you believe we've been doing the show that long? No, I can't, Sydney. But um, we are going to be uh, bringing that episode to you. I figure it's old enough that a lot of people maybe not have even heard of it. I know. But um, we have an update to this uh, episode that will that you'll find at the end of the episode, but you need the context for Right. So learn all about malaria from us in the past, and mm-hmm. then we'll tell you the update from us in the present. Perfect. Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that. Weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones and Marital Tour, Ms. Guy of Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, I'm tired of something. You're tired of something? I'm tired of something, and I would like to broach the subject with you now. Right now. Mm-hmm. We, is, you know what? You and I really picked the best time to have, to these have these kind of disputes. Well, that's kind of what podcast I, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. Uh, this is like our 80th episode, I think, somewhere around there, 80 episodes. Yeah. And, and in every episode, we try to come up with like a reason, like a like a a a, a conversation that we might have been having that would lead us into the topic of the subject that we're discussing. Yeah, it's like a bit. That we do. It's like a bit, and you and know, you're, you're really messing this one up. Yeah, well, it's exhausting. We spent, dear friends, we spent the last three minutes trying to figure out how we might have a conversation. <laughs> three that, whole minutes three, of our precious time. Three minutes. No, I would say upwards of four <laughs> minutes discussing what conversation we would be having that would lead us into malaria. Friends, now you've given it away. Now it's not a surprise. Now they know we're talking about malaria. Well, that's my intro there. Now that's the conversation we had that led us into malaria. Friends, we talk about a lot of things here between the two of us, and uh, uh, most of which are are Charlie centric. But you would be shocked the uh, just a wide breadth of topics. Very rarely are we say, are we having any conversations that would take us uh, uh, into malaria. Just like a na- well, okay, more more so being married to you, I would say. I try to, but those aren't so much conversations as like one sided monologues. Like yeah. I tell Justin things, and he tries not to look like glazed over and sawbones bored. The podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just kidding. So anyway, we're gonna talk about malaria. Um, if you have a b- big problem with us leaving out our bits, our classic bits, let us know. Otherwise, we'll spare you. I just imagine people at home, like, uh, at home, like, yeah, I get it. I get what you guys are going for. 
But if you like that, if maybe you like they would that, try to guess. Like that's that would be me. Like, oh, they're gonna get into this. Yeah. Uh, if you like that, that part me. of the show, please let us know. But also, like, write a bunch of them for us because they're <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it seems weird that those took effort, but like they do. Anyway, sorry, Sydney. The the thing that made this hard is like I don't I don't know the lyric is real funny like that's where we get into trouble is like what are some good what are some good I was sitting my head here thinking like I was sitting like banging my head against the table thinking what are some good malaria jokes there are any good malaria jokes no I there aren't I mean malaria is not I don't think it's funny I think it's a fun disease to talk about like people enjoy talking about malaria it's interesting I should say it's got a long history. And um, it's a parasite, which we don't talk about a lot, and people always get a little. Remind me what now? What what is a parasite? Well, it's a some sort of small. Well, it doesn't have to be small. In this case, we're talking about tiny little organisms mm-hmm. that use something from your system, your nutrients, to survive. They wheeze off your juice, right? So they're not they're not giving you anything. They're not providing you anything. They're just taking from you, and I mean, they don't have to be small. But usually, when we're talking about parasitology and like human parasites, we're talking about small things. Now they can be big. There are big giant worms that can come out of your butt, but we're not talking about that today. And monkeys, monkeys might fly out of your butt too. Nope, that's another concern. Nope, not a concern. Uh, did somebody suggest the topic? Yes, a lot of people have suggested malaria because, like I said, a lot of people like to talk about malaria. Uh, Don, David, Lehman, Jean, Jean, Jose, Nicholas, all suggested this topic. Thanks, y'all. Uh, if you, by the way, people ask about this, if you'd like to suggest a topic, you can email sawbones at maximumfun.org. So malaria comes from the Italian word for bad air, mal air. Oh. Um, and that was that was because, and we'll talk about this more, but a lot of people thought for a long time that the way you got malaria was by inhaling something in the air. It was like kind of we've talked about before, like the miasma theory sure. of disease, like that it's like there's some kind of illness that's floating around you and you might breathe it in accidentally and get sick, which sometimes is kind of right, but not with malaria. Right. No, not in this case. So, like I said, it's caused by a parasite, which we don't talk about a lot uh, because – and I think it's because in the U.S. We're, we don't get as – or we think we don't get as many parasites. But there are parasites endemic to the U.S. Um, malaria used to be. Really? Mm-hmm. You used to get malaria in the U.S. You used to get malaria everywhere. Malaria was a big deal in pretty much uh, not every country on Earth, but almost every country on Earth for many years. But the change in um, – kind of our sanitation and uh the big thing is whether or not you have a lot of standing water mm-hmm. for the mosquitoes to to lay their eggs in um if you don't you don't have a lot of these mosquitoes and then you don't get a lot of malaria and so as kind of things changed in the u.s malaria got pushed further and further south and now we see it mostly in africa although it still exists other places so what does it do so let's talk about malaria, the parasite and what it does okay okay so is it single celled or is it like bigger than that it's a little teeny plasmodium. Okay. So, yes? Yes. Okay. No? No. No, it's not. Okay. No. No. I'm going to go with no. Official no. I don't know. I'm a doctor. Okay. <laughs> it's a plasmodium. I know all the names. I know what it does to you. Okay. It uh so there are several different 
like flavors of malaria that people get, mm. uh, depending on which Make mine rocky road, <laughs> which plasmodium infects you. There's falciparum, malaria, vivax, ovale. There's a couple others. Um, it's carried by a certain kind of mosquito, as I've already alluded to, the Anopheles mosquito. Mm. So anywhere that you have Anopheles mosquitoes, conceivably you could have malaria. Uh, it gets into your bloodstream when the mosquito bites you. So that's why I said it's not really from inhaling toxic air. It's specifically from a mosquito bite. Um, and then initially the parasite will go infect your liver cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from there it's released into your bloodstream and that's when you start really getting sick. And that's also when we tend to see and diagnose malaria. And, and there's a lot of, like if you are the kind of person who likes to look at microscopy pictures. And who isn't? <laughs> like of of things you might see if you looked at blood under a microscope. Mm-hmm. You can see a lot of little shapes like ring forms and little banana-shaped things that under the microscope when somebody's blood who has malaria. Some forms can live in your liver for a long time. Like the Vivax in a valley, they can have these little things called hypnozoites, these little secret things like um, surprise, I don't know, timed. What am I thinking of? Timed minds. What? They're like, you know. Like timed. Uh, time bombs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> you know, time bombs. You know, time bombs. Got <laughs> the it. The word I couldn't come up with. <laughs> Uh, they but lit- we're somehow managing to say the two components of you just couldn't. <laughs> I said mines. I was thinking like Goldeneye. Like sure, 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 like sure. Instead of proximity mines. Well, they had remote mines, but that yes. I don't think. I'm thinking of remote mines. Well, the, no, but because you don't. Detonated. They don't. No, they're yeah. just they're just there, and then they just. Let's go with time bomb. Yeah, and then they explode out of your liver later on after you think you've already gotten over the malaria and you get sick again. Um, you spread them to another person only if like the, a mosquito bites you and then bites somebody else. So you tend to see kind of outbreaks of it in areas, but it's not person to person so much as mosquito to person to mosquito to person. The symptoms of malaria, the classic are these uh, cyclical fevers. And this is why, as I'll talk about, we think we've had malaria around for a really long time is because there aren't a lot of illnesses that have this kind of pattern of like, you get this really high fever, you get really sick, and then it starts to abate, you feel better, almost to the point where you seem like you're totally fine. And then you go through the cycle again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's been written about all through antiquity. And so that's why we think malaria has been around so long. You also get uh, rigors, so these really awful chills and shakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get anemic. You get headaches. Uh, you feel really, really lousy when you have malaria. And then there are like really severe complications that can happen, not to everybody, but especially if you get the falciparum variety, you can get uh, fluid in your lungs like pulmonary edema. Your spleen can get really big. It can even rupture. Uh, you can go into renal failure, which is kidney failure. You can go into shock. It's really bad for pregnant women to get malaria. There are lots of complications. So malaria can be something that just makes you feel really rotten or it can turn into a really big deal. What, what changes that? Like what, what determines what it just the different, as you said, varietals of of malaria. Part of it is that, uh, which one is, is more likely to cause problems, but just uh, like falciparum is classically what we think of as the worst, but just because you get falciparum doesn't mean you're going to get that sick. Hmm. Um, It depends one on uh, there are more complications. Sometimes the more times you have malaria, um, <laughs> man, that's rotten. I know. That, that I know. makes me really sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. It's just like, ugh. Like, to me, the idea of getting malaria is so, like, uh, just so unfathomable. Like, it breaks my heart to think that there are people who get it and they're like, ugh, 
again. It, for, again with this. For a lot of people, it really is like that. Like, oh, another sinus infection. Like, the, the in certain parts of the world, people get malaria that often, you know, and it can cause, if it's not treated appropriately and you're not getting it addressed, then it can cause chronic problems from that. Or just sometimes it's, you know, either your first time getting malaria or who knows, and you have one of these catastrophic complications. Um, certainly people who are already sick would be more likely to have these problems. But uh, part of it is just bad luck. Mm-hmm. as well. Um, we've found evidence that the parasite, the plasmodium that causes malaria, uh, has been around for 30 million years. And we found it in mosquitoes trapped in amber. Which I think Along cool. with some dinosaur DNA. <laughs> I knew you were going to go down this road. Dinosaurs. As soon as I, was, I found this information and I thought, now we're going to have a Jurassic Park conversation. The bad thing is we thought it was just malaria, but then we crossed it with the DNA of a frog. And that's why malaria is so bad today. Because it's frog we crossed malaria? It with, because it's frog malaria and it's reproducing asexually. If it was frog malaria, it probably wouldn't infect humans. Probably. I mean, that, that might not be so bad. Dinosaurs. Um, there, you know, there was suggested that maybe some dinosaurs got malaria. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That is, that is because, I mean, there, there's been evidence that it was in reptiles. So, yeah, yeah maybe. So, this maybe. is not one of our new diseases that we've talked about before. This is a, this is a old, old one. No. It, it, we likely first got it, you know, as it, as it evolved over time from chimpanzees and depending on which strain and gorillas uh, who passed it on to humans from, you know, like, again, from mosquitoes. Um, and malaria is, is interesting because it's probably evolved alongside us with us, adapted to us, and we have adapted to malaria. And it's actually shaped some of the other um, chronic blood disorders that we see. Uh, for instance, uh, sickle cell anemia, thalassemia. There's another called G6PD deficiency. Uh, these people are, are less likely to be infected by malaria. Hmm. And so it, the, there's a thought that when you – the reason that – we still see these blood disorders. The reason that, you know, when they arose, you weren't selected against evolutionarily. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Is because they provided a selective advantage because you were less likely to get malaria if you had them. Right. That makes sense. So so that's why that's part of why we see the prevalence of these diseases. In addition to our evolutionary history, malaria has has changed the course of history in a lot of like like our social and political history. Sort of like, um, well, what did we talk about last time? Syphilis. Syphilis. Syphilis had, syphilis a, had an that. impact in that way. Tuberculosis has had that impact. Yeah. Um, but malaria certainly, because it at times, if there would be an outbreak in certain parts of the world, it would, it would destroy whole city-states. Um, armies were decimated by malaria at various points in different wars in history um specifically when we talk about like the civil war Mm -hmm. there were as many people uh sick in bed with malaria as there were fighting and you know being injured in the war wow it's depressed economies every time there would be a big outbreak of malaria it it was very hard on the economic situation and there were there are theories that there were parts of countries that were uninhabited especially coastal lands for decades because People knew that it had something to do with water, and they didn't know what specifically, so they stayed away from bodies of water. Hmm. So there were areas that it was thought, and eh, nobody lives there, and it's probably because of malaria. 
Hmm. We tend to think of it, like I kind of said, we tend to think of it as like a tropical disease now, but it was everywhere for a long time. Um, but like I said, you need some, you need standing water. That's one of the big things that you, when you're trying to address the malaria problem to eliminate sources of standing water can mm-hmm. be a big help. Um, and we've seen malaria kind of recede from, at least from the U.S. and, you know, um, the U.K. and Europe. Uh, there is evidence that the ancient Egyptians had malaria. Yeah, I would think so if the dinosaurs had it. Mm-hmm. We found we found DNA evidence in uh, mummies. And there's also evidence that they at least had some idea that they didn't want to be around mosquitoes. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the pharaohs, Neferu, used to use bed nets. Cleopatra slept with a bed net. And, I mean, maybe they just don't like getting bitten by mosquitoes. But still, I mean, that's, yeah. But, I mean, if you do that every single night, you have to begin to wonder, like, I don't know. Do you know? Do you know something? Do you suspect something? Well, yeah, but, like, at the same time, who would have nights where, like, maybe I'd like to get bit by mosquitoes tonight? Like, I I mean, I think that once you decided you would rather not be bit by mosquitoes, that's probably a life decision you're going to live with. Maybe you just fall asleep first, and you're like, oh, I don't want to wake back up and get my bed net out. Put my bed net out. I think if you're Cleopatra, odds are pretty good you're not hanging up your own bed net, but, like, maybe... I don't know. It's kind of, I mean, like, you know how every night you get in bed and try not to brush your teeth, and then I have to convince you to get back out of bed and yep. brush your teeth? Yep, 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 yep. I remember that. Maybe it's like that. Same principle. The The builders of the pyramids were given a lot of garlic, and that's thought that it was an attempt to protect them from malaria. Hmm. Again, not sure that there was, that they knew any connection between what was going to give them malaria, just that somehow garlic would, uh, kind of like the strong smells, fight strong smells, push away the bad air. Sure. Uh, like I said, the, these cyclical fevers are really what make us think that this has existed so long because Hippocrates wrote about this, uh, that there was an illness and that you would have these horrible, horrible high temperatures and then you would get better and then it would come again and that it could be deadly. But uh, it, we think this is malaria. We're pretty sure uh, that ancient Chinese physicians wrote about this as well and also wrote about the fact that patients who would get these high fevers tended to have large spleens often. So again, more evidence that we think this probably is malaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Romans called it the Roman fever. We think that when they reference that, they're talking about malaria, which I think is a little conceited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very showy. And also dinosaur fever is better. Dinosaur fever would be, if they had like, A, called it with dinosaurs and B, called it dinosaur fever, I I would be slightly less concerned about catching malaria, I think. If it was called dinosaur fever. Yeah. Because I, I honestly, there was a period but when I was like five or six where I did have dinosaur fever a I, lot. I think it, a lot of little kids go through that phase. Yeah. Like a dinosaur fever phase. Not malaria, to no. be clear. I was just really into dinosaurs. <laughs> um. The uh, Pope Gregory the Fourth actually, in response to the Roman fever uh, being more prevalent in warmer times of the year, actually moved All Saints Day from May to November, and in part it was because of malaria. Hmm. All Saints Day, November first, All Hallows. That's not day. what I know about. Is that a Catholic thing? It's the day after Halloween, All oh. Saints Day. Oh, okay. I know about All Saints, the girl group. Is it the same thing? Not at all. Okay. All, Halloween I think it's is nice called that they All Hallows' Eve. I think it's a nice that All Saints has a day in their honor, though. No. They they made only a minor impact on the music landscape, but I'm glad that we're still remembering their contribution. It's nothing like All Spice Day. <laughs> <laughs> Expected more from that one. Yeah. 
No, but it's all a day spice after. day. Yeah. What was the joke? All spice. It's a spice. All Saints, All Spice. I thought you were going for a Spice Girls thing because no. we were talking about All Saints. Okay. No, I was talking about the seasoning. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's the day after Hall- All Hallows Eve is Halloween, and then the next day is uh, it's must be the day Catholic of the Hallows of the Saints, the, after, the Holy People. Normally, the day after Halloween is the day that I have diarrhea from eating too much candy. So that's not. <laughs> I didn't know it was a holiday. While I. It's Fine. also a day where we celebrate all the saints. When I was younger, I dressed yes. up as one of the saints I don't at do church. That we all mine. did. We all had to we dress up as a saint. We don't do that in mine. I don't know what to tell you, Sydney. Okay, anyway. We don't do that. We didn't do that when I was little. We didn't have saints. So there's some belief that maybe part of the reason we moved All Saints Day to November is because of malaria. Um, the Romans also believed that it came from the air, and specifically swamp air. So... One of the solutions was move away from the swamps. Don't be close to the swamps. Which, again, isn't a bad idea. Yeah. If you're looking for a place where mosquitoes are. It's so. nice that they figured out the water thing. Did they know it was from mosquitoes or did no. they, it was just the water? Nope. Just something to do with the swamp air. Huh. Um, throughout uh, Shakespeare's time, Shakespeare wrote about malaria quite a bit. Like seven or eight of his plays, he mentions malaria. Huh. Um, at this point, it would have been called marsh fever or the tertian ague. The ague is a is a name we hear a lot for hmm. malaria. Um, and as I kind of mentioned, it just ravaged d- different wars in our history, specifically the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. A lot of people uh, had malaria. Congress actually during the Revolutionary War bought uh, cinchona bark, which as we're going to talk about was one of the old and current treatments for malaria um, from South America during the Revolutionary War in an, in an attempt to combat malaria. I know about Sikonobark from uh, uh, signature, signature of, of All Things. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then World War One and World War Two, there were certainly many people sick with malaria, although not as many people were dying from malaria at this point. Um, it, the bigger point is that it made a lot, of, a lot of soldiers sick, and that was obviously a huge impact on many, many different battles in the war. Um, by the 1890s, we figured out that it was spread by a parasite. We'd isolated the parasite. Uh, it was actually two medical students helped in this effort. Oh, congratulations, finding, guys. Finding the parasite, like reproducing inside mosquitoes and figuring out what was going on. Um, and, that, and then, of course, that it was spread by mosquitoes. We figured out after that. Excellent. Uh, I should mention, we, we just randomly mentioned Signature of All Things. That's a great novel by uh, uh, our friend Elizabeth Gilbert. If you uh, uh, like our show, you will probably like Signature of All Things. I think you will absolutely. It's a wonderful book. I would highly recommend it. Sydney, I I just did that little plug for Liz Gilbert's book and now I'm I'm got the urge to to promote more things. Can you help well, me out? Yeah, let me show you the way to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as... The palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support 
and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Hey, Max One listeners, this is Cameron Esposito. I'm a stand-up comic, actor, writer, best-selling author, and podcaster. I got a great show called Query where I interview LGBTQ plus luminaries across, oh, a bunch of fields. People in entertainment, astronauts, musicians, rock stars. I am bringing the show to maximum fun. You can listen right now, and I am so happy to be on this network. We have new episodes out every Monday. You can listen at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. It's official. Max Fun has become a co-op. We're now a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you. Thanks to supporters and listeners like you, MaxFun will always be a place where employees have a say. Thanks to you, shows can continue to partner with an independent, values-driven network. Thanks to you, we're able to carry on our commitment to our shows and the community we've grown together. Learn more about what becoming a co-op means for us and you at MaximumFun.org co-op. That's MaximumFun.org C-O-O-P. So why don't we talk about some treatments for malaria? Yeah. Now that we've kind of gone over the let's, history. Let's start digging out of this 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 well. Okay. So first of all, what's interesting about the history of malaria treatments is that we kind of got it right a couple times 
without really intending to. Hey, go us. Um, the As far back when we go into like the ancient Chinese writings about malaria, uh, you find them recommending a certain herb, the Artemisia herb. What is so interesting about that is that that is the basis of some of the treatments we still use today for malaria. Hmm. So this was not wrong. Um, I don't know if soaking it in cold water and then eating it raw would work, but I know that they were on the right track. And I, what I love the most is that the the recommendation of using this herb is from a book called Emergency Prescriptions Kept in One Sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> That's a so, great title. That's I bet that was flying off the shelves. I don't recommend to my patients to keep any prescriptions in their sleeve, but I'm going to start, I yeah. guess. Your sleeves look really baggy. Well, I've been feeling under the weather lately. I got some emergency in here. <laughs> I got some cough drops. I got some uh, some brambleberry essence. Be careful what you carry in your sleeves, though. Yeah, it's a crazy world out there now. <laughs> a lot of sleeve thieves. You have to be <laughs> Don't careful. Watch it. People are. So, you notice somebody eyeing your sleeves? You just head on down the road. They're up to no good. <laughs> they're they're after your blood pressure medication. <laughs> or um, bark, depending on what area, or, or the bark you have in your sleeve. Uh, there was an early understanding. We kind of talked about that people knew that water had something to do with it and sp- like like swamps. So rice paddies came under fire in China. And so there were some recommendations like... Oh, I bet those things are just like rife with mosquitoes. Yeah. And so there were some thoughts like maybe we should stop doing this. But of course, that was a huge economic problem. So it, it wasn't stopped, but there was debate, you know, like what, what do we do? Because we need... The rice was a big, you know, still, I, I imagine, a big feature of the economy. And yeah. So there was some question as to whether that should be stopped. Uh, uh, similarly, draining swamps was something that we suggested at various times, at various places in history. Like, I don't know, if we drain all the swamps, will people start get, stop getting sick? I don't know that a lot of good comes from swamps, like f- from a human <laughs> being point of view. It's, it seems there are like, people in Florida right now who are losing their mind at no, you saying that. Well, no. What they're thinking is like, you know what, Justin, that offended me. But then I realized, like... The only thing that happens in swamps is alligators are there, and sometimes people have bodies there. Those are the two things that happens in swamps. And those sweet airboats, but I don't know where you get those. Okay, I I will tell you that I went to many school trips when I was younger and lived in Waycross, Georgia, to the Okefenokee Swamp. Mm-hmm. And it was very cool. And One guy's were, like, yeah, 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 Okefenokee, represent. I loved going to the Okefenokee Swamp because you saw alligators, you, you rode in a boat, and then there were these leaves that you would like, they would pull off plants and rub together and soap, there would be soap would happen from the leaves. I loved going to the Okefenokee Swamp. That sounds Swamp. fun. I mean, I'm just like, that sounds fun. So be careful me. when you diss swamps. Sorry, swamps. Uh, I the, used to like sawbones, but that show is so anti-swamp. <laughs> In the Middle Ages, uh, they tried all kinds of weird, bad ideas for treating malaria, as we did for everything, right? Yeah, Middle, Middle Ages was really bad. Uh, we tried bloodletting. Really can't get much worse in the Middle Ages. This is oh. our apex of like not knowing what we're doing, crossed with our willingness to just do whatever. Just do something. I don't know. Cut yourself. Drill a hole in your head, which we tell you not to. Like Literally. every time. Like, but people did that. Um, amputate a limb. It's like they're not even listening to our podcast. Uh, Try some witchcraft. Take some belladonna. That won't Pull help. Pull a sword out of a rock. Like, what are you guys doing? No, um, let's let's work out your nativity chart with astrology, <laughs> and then tell you what what uh, planet Middle is Age, causing Middle, your malaria. I don't know how that fixes it. Middle but. Ages was really bad. At least before that, we're like, I don't know, homie, figure it out or something, or don't. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know anything. 
the most interesting, and Justin, you probably know part of this because you you read the signature of all things. Be it first. Is the story of the Sincona tree. So it's funny because if you read about how did we figure out this Sincona tree, which has also been called the the fever tree um, because it cures fevers. Uh, the the way that we figured out, like, how, how did we ever think this bark might help us against this horrible disease? Mm-hmm. Um, the story is that there was an earthquake that caused a bunch of cinchona trees to fall into a lake and that the water in the lake was really bitter after that, flavored by the cinchona. And nobody would want it. Nobody wanted to drink it, except there was one guy who was really sick. And so he had a fever. He was really thirsty. So he drank it because what does he get? He needed water. He was very thirsty and he got better. And that's how we figured out that Sincona bark. That that story is just wild enough to make total sense. Like, it's interesting. I don't that adds up. I don't have a better thought as to how we would have ever thought to to get tree bark. And I don't know how we figure out any of this stuff, right? There's got to be some story like that for all of these things, right? Yeah, some some just random you're, happenstance. And you're then... making you're making a, a metal springs for weapons, and one of them gets knocked off of a shelf. You see it very pleasingly coil off the shelf onto the floor, and you think, that's a toy. Slinky. Born. <laughs> that's And this is on the same level, I think, as the Slinky. Basically. It's kind of like Sean Connery in Medicine Man, you know? It was the ants. Mm-hmm. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers for Medicine Man. <laughs> um, Stay tuned, we're spoiling Romancing the Stone next. <laughs> Uh, there miners also took this when they had to go into like cold damp mines because it would stop they thought it stopped shivering which is probably a reference to the fact that it stopped the rigors that are associated with malaria hmm. um it was used by the the native the people native to peru and then the spanish missionaries found it when they came to peru um and started noticing that people would use this local uh tree bark to treat this awful fever that everybody got and it worked and so they started exporting it all over the world and it does work because it has the alkaloid quinine in it which quinine is still used to treat malaria today um so that's pretty cool that is cool yeah and that and and so that this bark was sent um jesuit bark was the same name or you know fever tree all kinds of the same thing was sent all over the world to treat malaria because it was a big problem um it's interesting because one of the other big treatments you read about is Warburg's tincture, mm-hmm. which was created in 1834 by a German doctor, um, which also contained quinine. So, like, it kind of took over for a while as the big treatment for malaria. But, I mean, it had quinine in it as well. So, we're still we're still using quinine. But it was used hugely by the British and Austrian empires. Um, also, this is in tonic water, quinine. Oh, yeah. Just as a side note. Because so. you were drinking it a lot when you were pregnant for your, uh, for your leg... Restless leg. Yes. I was. Tonic water. That's yes. unrelated to Yes. Malaria. Quinine quinine has been used for leg cramps and restless leg and that kind of thing. Although I would, if you're considering that, talk to your doctor. Be very careful um, with, uh, not so, I mean, tonic water, you'd have to drink a whole lot of it to cause yourself problems. But it, there are a lot of supplements over the counter on a side note that have quinine in them and you can get too much. And it's called synchronism because of the tree and you can get poisoned. So oh, be careful. Good to know. Um, once we figured out the parasite, as I mentioned in the 1890s, throughout the 1900s, we developed all kinds of new medications. And I won't go through all the medications we have today for malaria, but, but we have quite a few. Um, the biggest problem, though, is as we have developed new medications, the malaria parasite is wily and it becomes resistant to them almost as soon as we make them. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why if you're traveling somewhere in the world, 
the first question you should ask your doctor is, do they have malaria there? And what medication can I use to prevent it when I go there? Because it's different everywhere you go in the world. Um, and moving on to, to, to today, malaria is still a, a huge problem. Um, like I said, we don't think of it that way, I think, here, because we don't see it in the U.S. Right. You know, we, I, I know for me it was something that we talked about in medical school. I, I was interested in it because I had an interest in international medicine. But then I didn't see it until I went to Malawi. Um, and then we had a case here, which is weird. Yeah, that is weird. But anyway, there's still like 225 million cases each year. Um, 800,000 people still die of malaria. And there are there are about 100 different countries worldwide where it's still endemic, largely in Africa. Um, it's a huge cause of, of childhood death as well. And like I said, there are many drugs, but there's still much resistance to them. Um, bed nets are one of the biggest solutions to this. So simple, but effective. Just don't get bitten by mosquitoes. And um, this is important if you're going to travel anywhere in the world. Go talk to your doctor, especially if you have somebody who does like a travel clinic like I offer where and, you can ask about what meds you might need. And uh, you can you can go donate. Go go donate some bed nets to help people who are still uh, suffering from this. You can go to nothingbutnets.net and you can buy some nets and uh, help people out there. Because it's really that simple. I mean, the, the ideas historically of draining swamps and Cleopatra sleeping under a net – probably was more effective at fighting malaria than just about anything else we we could do. So go do that and then feel a little better about the problem because you're helping to, to combat it. Well, not so fast, Justin and Sydney of 2015, with your one-year-old child. You were so your, young and so naive. Young, your you hopes had no and idea. dreams uh, uh, all laid out in front of you. Uh, uh, malaria has been back in the news recently, Sid. What's, what's happening? Well, Justin, so it, I think it's important to remember that just because we don't see malaria transmitted in the United States, typically, um, doesn't mean that it's not possible to get malaria in the United States. I think a lot of people in this country kind of forget about it. We do have cases of malaria that are diagnosed here every year, um, but they're, they're almost always people who have traveled somewhere, gotten malaria there, mm -hmm. and then when they come back, we figure it out and diagnose them. Right. Prior to the pandemic, it was like 2,000 cases a year like that um, because in some parts of the world, it's very common to get malaria. So if you go there, it's easy to get it. Right. Uh, now, during the COVID years, those numbers dropped dramatically because not a lot of people were traveling. Right. We expect that they're going to jump back up, especially this summer. A lot of experts kind of predicted that like this summer, we're going to see a resurgence again in people returning to the U.S. with malaria because they got it somewhere else. Got it. What we haven't seen in the U.S. more or less since 1951 is malaria being actively transmitted in the United States of America. We had a small uh, occurrence of that in 2003. There were like eight cases, I think, in Palm Beach where they found um, that malaria had been – they actually got it there. Malaria was being transmitted there. And in, and in order for malaria to be transmitted in an area, remember, it's not person to person, Right. You don't give it to another person. Right. You give it to a mosquito. Who they are kind enough to pass it along to another person. Exactly. Like, so, a like a courier service. So in order for malaria to be transmitted in a, in a community, the mosquitoes in that community have to be, one, capable of carrying the parasite, and then two, infected with it. Well, the Anopheles species of mosquito that can carry 
malaria has is exists in most of the U.S. So that's not like that. We already know that risk factor is there. Mm-hmm. Then you just have to introduce malaria to that population of mosquitoes. And then you, there are certain conditions that can foster it. Temperature is a big, you know, mosquitoes like warm climates. Right. Um, and then standing water. If there are large areas of standing water, that's where mosquitoes lay their eggs. and your ponds. Yes. You know what standing water is, folks. Standing water. I don't know why I'm explaining it. And these are conditions that will make it easier for malaria to kind of take hold in an area. So what has happened is that we have now identified, as of the most recent count that I am looking at at this moment, um, there have been a cluster of cases in Florida and one in Texas and the cases in Florida, I believe, are up to seven, mm. where they cannot find that, that these are not people who traveled and returned, meaning that local transmission of malaria is happening in this area of Florida. Um, people are getting malaria in Florida. Uh, the I, as far as I can tell, they've had some case. They had a case in Texas, and we don't really know if there are other cases. Some of the n- journalistic outlets that I have looked at are saying that they're reaching out to the Texas public health officials and not really getting a lot of information back. Huh. Um, so we don't know for sure. Are there more? Um, and the, the problem is you need a robust public health system to track and control outbreaks like this. You need epidemiologists. You need public health professionals. Well, Florida, the the government there has gotten rid of a lot of public health officials, either either by firing them, replacing them with people who maybe are not necessarily evidence-based public health professionals, or just, I think, creating an atmosphere where a lot of professionals don't want to work. Right. What I am reading is they're having trouble hiring people for these positions. Because if your boss doesn't believe in science and you're a scientist, it's really hard to want to work there. Yes. Would be my guess. And if your boss has made it really hard, I remember for the uh, woman that had been tracking COVID in Florida— It was a really bad, bad situation Mm -hmm. out there. Exactly. So if you don't have the scientists you need to go out and sample, first of all, to keep track of malaria cases, you have to inform the public so that they know this could be malaria. I should go get checked out. Secondly, you've got to do sampling of mosquitoes. You've got to go out and capture mosquitoes and see if they've got malaria to see if it's out there. Has it established a presence? You have to do all that legwork to Mm -hmm. try to track and then control this. Um, and if you don't have the right scientists employed or you don't put the money and resources behind it, you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things that the CDC has said so far is, one, don't freak out, which is always good advice. Yeah. There is no, no matter how dire things are, freaking out generally is not helpful. Don't panic. Don't panic. Um, if you live in one of these areas and you develop symptoms that are consistent with malaria, I would be quicker to go get checked out. A lot of us might get a fever, and if we don't feel too bad, we might not go get checked out. Well, if you live in an area where there's malaria and you get a fever, you need to go get checked out. It could be malaria. So they're advising people, if you're having fevers, if you're feeling sick, go get checked out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you need to call an ambulance immediately. It just means you need to access your local healthcare resource to get checked out and ensure that it's not something like that. Hopefully, it is just a run-of-the-mill cold or whatever. Um, So they're advising that your risk of getting malaria in the United States is still extremely low. Again, so we shouldn't panic. But what we should remember is that there was a report issued two years ago to look at the United States preparedness for a malaria outbreak. Would we be ready? Could it happen and would we be ready? And what they found is 
it could happen and we're not ready because we don't think about malaria anymore. And the thing is, as the world gets warmer and areas of the earth that previously had longer cool periods are now having longer warm periods, they become much more hospitable to this species of mosquito. And it will be easier for these mosquitoes to hang around more of the year in places further from, you know, where we generally expect to see malaria. So if you combine that, that there might be the mosquitoes that can carry malaria that hang around places longer, plus maybe malaria is starting to get established in places because we don't have as much public health surveillance. Maybe we're not paying as close attention as we used to to areas of standing water and um, you you could you could certainly see a resurgence of malaria. That doesn't mean it's happening right now. That doesn't mean, again, panic doesn't help anything. Awareness helps. Preparedness helps. Seeing these changes and, re- and like reacting in a helpful way is what we need to do right now. I think what's worrisome for a lot of public health officials is that it's happening in Florida. And this is no offense to Florida. If you live in Florida, I'm, well, I, mean, I am not. No I'm not well, I don't, I, this is not offense to the people who live in Florida. Okay. I always feel bad saying Some that. Some of the people because, who live in Florida. Well, but we live in West Virginia, the, and you could fair. level plenty of criticism at our We're government and our legislature and our governor. You know who no, you are. No, certainly not. Um, because there are there are people there who are conscientious and science minded and don't want to see malaria spread. Um, what what I think though underneath all this, what you have to remember is that malaria still kills hundreds of thousands of people across the globe every year. Just because it's not a U.S. problem doesn't mean it's not a problem that deserves our time, attention, and resources and partnership with other global agencies to solve. It's sad that sometimes it has to affect us for us to wake up and care enough to do something about it. But it should remind us all that malaria is something that we could see an end to. We could. We could put enough money and resources and brains and will and compassion behind this to see an end to malaria deaths all over the world. And then we wouldn't have to freak out when we see a handful of locally transmitted cases in the U.S. Because everybody's life matters, Mm -hmm. not just if you live in the United States of America. So that's what's up with malaria currently. They'll be continuing to track, hopefully. Um, all the people so far that I've read about are getting treatment. And are as, as of my last update from, I checked like 10 different news outlets, are in stable condition. Um, there is treatment for malaria, assuming that, you know, you are able to access medical care. And these people were lucky enough to live in a part of the world where it's a little easier to access medical care. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for that update, Sid, and uh, let's head back into the episode. Uh, thank you to the MaximumFun.org network for uh, having us as a part of their uh, family. They've got a lot of great programs that you can go listen to. Thank you to the taxpayers for our theme song, Medicines. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you to people tweeting about the show. We're at Sawbones on Twitter, so you can uh, you can tweet about us and be like uh, – Sparkly Pawnee, uh, Lana Kay, Malin Carlson, We Are Goose, Foxy Love, Kelly Wardell, Amy, uh, KLM, David Cooper, uh, Mundicius, Ames, uh, Meg Dan and Glenn over at Games by Playdate, uh, Adrian Mejia, 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 I think Mejia, that sounds right, Adrian mm-hmm. Mejia, 
uh, Dylan Sonat, so many others. Thank you so much for tweeting about the show. You can follow us on Twitter if you would like to do so. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you, Sydney, for being here. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Justin, for <laughs> inviting me to your our, office. <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, until uh, next time, probably on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Uh, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.